1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Yep, only two, two verses this morning. I know that's after being in Esther. It's been it's kind of a, a short uh, set of verses. I understand that. But before we get to our passage this morning, uh, I want you to use your imagination. Is everybody ready? Get your, get your imagination hats on. Imagine that you find yourself living in a place where the culture and customs are different than your own. You find yourself there not out of a desire for adventure or new experiences, but you find yourself there because you have no other choice. This place with a culture and customs different than your own probably has a different language, different foods, different values, different ways of thinking about family, work, raising children, recreation, finances. You name it, it's different. Now, you might be thinking, some of our Spanish-speaking friends don't have to imagine this scenario because they are currently living it day in and day out. When this is our reality, we are living as foreigners, aliens, strangers, sojourners, exiles. The story of the Bible is one of humanity apart from God living as exiles, strangers of God's presence, of the beauty and blessings of his kingdom. Humanity is exiled in our sin, enemies of God and without hope. We see that from the third chapter of Genesis on. And yet God doesn't give up and not only allows exiles to come home, but actually pursues those who have exiled themselves and does so most intimately and powerfully in God the Son, Jesus Christ. Through faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are no longer strangers of God, the Bible says, but citizens of his kingdom. And even more amazing than that of being citizens, we are actually members of his household. We are his children. And yet, while we are no longer strangers, exiles from God and his promises of his kingdom and his family, we are still foreigners, aliens, strangers, sojourners. We are exiles now in a new sense. We are exiles in the world we live in. And this is why the Apostle Peter wrote this letter. This is what we'll be looking at this morning and throughout our series in 1 Peter that we might have a better understanding of whose we are and where we find ourselves. So let's read 1 Peter verses 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we pray that you would help us to 
understand and know what it means to be exiles. As your apostle, Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants us to know. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we begin this new sermon series on First Peter called Exiles. And for those of you who have been with us throughout the summer, you know that we just finished the book of Esther in the Old Testament. And the book of Esther is about how God's providence is at work even when he seems distant or his presence isn't even mentioned. In the context of that reality in Persia, we find a young Jewish woman who becomes queen, her uncle, Mordecai, and a plot to destroy the Jewish people throughout the kingdom of Persia. And the Jewish people were living in exile in this context. They were sent into exile by God himself, as we read in our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah earlier in our service. And they were sent, as he says in that reading, as a punishment for their evil and wicked ways of worshiping other gods, of uh, posing and taking advantage of the poor, of the widow, of the orphan, of the sojourner. And so we come to the book, or more precise, the letter of First Peter, and my hope is that as we unpack First Peter over the next 12 weeks or so, we will find encouragement and practical application for those who live in exile. And according to Scripture, for Christians, we live in exile wherever we find ourselves. You see, as Christians, we often forget that our identity in Christ, the reality of being welcomed into the kingdom of God with all the blessings and promises, the reality is that we are no longer enemies and strangers of God and this promises. We are children. We are heirs of the promises. But with that brings with it a reality that we are aliens, sojourners, strangers, exiles in this world. This morning, as Angela was baptized and professed her faith in Jesus Christ, the reality is someone who does, as Angela did, goes from living in exile to God and now being in exile from the world. Reality is that we in Christ Jesus are exiles. If we are in Christ, we are exiles. That is our main point this morning. We, if we are in Christ, we are exiles. We are, according to Peter, we are dispersed exiles. We are elect exiles. We are sanctified exiles. First, we are dispersed exiles. Peter is writing this letter to various areas in Asia Minor, in regions of modern-day Turkey. We're talking about an area that covered over 300,000 square miles. This is like the entire southwest of the United States going from like 
the border of, of Texas all the way out to California, all the way from the border of Mexico all the way up to the borders of Utah and Colorado, a giant area of, of land. And so there's people who are followers of Christ dispersed throughout this region that Peter is writing to. And he writes to them as exiles, as those who are alien, sojourners, foreigners. He's saying basically someone who lives with people whose nation they do not belong, to live as a foreigner, a person who for a period of time lives in a place that is not their normal residence. He's calling them exiles, but they grew up there. They've lived there. They are from there. They are from these regions, from these areas that Peter is writing to. They haven't been sent there. They haven't been carried off there. This is their home. Probably where they were born and where they will die. And yet Peter addresses them as exiles. He addresses them in a way that would have been understood in the Old Testament as a punishment. Right? Israel's punishment for their sin was that they were exiled. They were evicted. <laughs> right? God's promised land, God's place that he had promised his people, his dwelling place in the, the temple, God evicted his people from their home and sent them into exile. First by Assyria in 722 B.C., and then by Babylon in 586 B.C. The northern kingdom first and the southern kingdom second were exiled from the land. And we saw in Esther that God's people were living in exile in a strange place with different customs, with different gods. Most everything was different. We saw that the likelihood that Esther and Mordecai had assimilated into Persian culture in the ways that were sinful and dishonoring to God and His laws was highly likely by how they carried themselves and how they lived their lives. And yet, Peter uses this term not in a way that would indicate God's punishment, but in a new reality of who they are in Christ. God's people. This new reality will in many ways feel like what the faithful Jews experienced living in exile. It will feel in some ways like a punishment. It will feel in many ways different because there are different customs and foods and family dynamics and gods that dwell in these places that, that propagate these places where God's people are so they will feel like they are in exile. But Peter doesn't see it as a punishment but as an opportunity. And he will give encouragement and instruction on how to live as faithful exiles, as faithful followers of Christ in exile who bring the beauty of Christ with them wherever they are. 
What we'll see as we move through Peter's letter is similar to what we heard in our Old Testament reading today from Jeremiah, to live as faithful followers of Christ and seek the shalom of the place where we are living as exiles. So we are dispersed exiles, and we are exiles, according to Peter, because we are elect exiles, right? He doesn't just say that we are exiles. He says that we are elect exiles, God's pilgrim people, God's people who don't have a home, are exiles in the world because they are God's elect. They are God's chosen people, right? It's because we are chosen that we are exiles. It's not be, we are exiles and then God chooses to know that we are, we are chosen exiles, Peter says. Peter said the believers are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He is emphasizing God's sovereignty and initiative in salvation. He is saying this is God's choice and electing you as choosing you, as saving you. Wherever you are, wherever you're dispersed throughout the world, God has called you to himself. And as he's called you to himself, you are now exiles because of his covenantal love for you. Right? It is because of God the Father has set his covenantal love upon us that we are now exiles. And what this does, and, it, and for us, we may not quite get this, but for those that Peter is writing to, they are most certainly almost all Gentiles. And so what, God, what Peter is doing in a way is he's actually saying to the Gentiles, you are just as much God's people as the Jews who were who are seen to be exiles. You are included in the people of God. It is no accident that God has included you. It's not an afterthought, but God's purpose from the beginning. You are in Christ Jesus. You are a part of God's people, just as those whom God had promised through Abraham would be a part of his people. You see, Peter is saying that you're not exiled from God's presence. It's because God's presence with you in his people that we are exiles. Right? We are exiles. We are not exiled. <laughs> that is an important thing for us to remember. We are exiles. We are not exiled. Right? We are not exiled from the promise. We are not exiled from where God is has promised to be with us. This is an important distinction to make because the Jewish people in many ways felt that they were exiled from God. They could not imagine that them being sent into exile, them being exiled from the land, that God could be with them. But God was with them, even in exile. And that's one of the main things we saw clearly in Esther, that even those who were living in exile, even those who were living in such a way that compromised, 
who they were as God's people. God was still with them. We are not exiled from God's presence. It is because God's presence is with us that we find ourselves as exiles in this world. So we are dispersed exiles, we are elect exiles, but we are also sanctified exiles. This term sanctification often relates to our progressive growth of holiness in the lives of, uh, of Christians. But in this context, the focus is more on what happens as we are made holy in our conversion, that Peter has explained that how believers come to be a part of God's elect people. When we are converted, they become God's holy and set-apart people, sanctified. And so we are sanctified exiles. We have this idea that we are set apart, that we are God's holy people, that we are the believers who live in obedience to the gospel and Christ's cleansing forgiveness. Right? It's why we confess our sin, not just merely in our worship service, but why we are called to confess our sin before our Heavenly Father, that we are living in Christ's forgiveness. We are living in obedience to the gospel. And what we see is that Peter is reminding us that our conversion, our coming to faith in Christ is not merely an intellectual acceptance of the gospel, nor is it a faith that brings with it like a blank slate, like we just wipe everything away. But as we are converted, as we are sanctified, as we are set apart, as we are made holy, it involves obedience and submission to the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. Peter takes this idea of being sanctified exiles, of being the ones who the blood of the covenant has forgiven and cleansed us, right? He says that uh, in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ, for sprinkling with his blood, he uses this image from the Old Testament, right? That we, that when the people of God were sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifice, they were brought into the covenant with God, It's a symbolism that powerfully declares Christ's death, satisfies God's justice, and makes atonement for our, for our sin. It is the image of God's cleansing in the Old Testament, not only when his covenant is made at Sinai, but throughout the Levitical sacrifices. That on the day of atonement, the priest would sprinkle the people with the blood of the sacrifice, signifying that they were forgiven. Peter takes that image and applies it to the blood of Christ, to our washing, to our cleansing by his blood. We are sanctified by the blood of Christ, set apart, made holy. 
So we are dispersed, we are elect, we are sanctified exiles. And we have to get that before we continue in 1 Peter. And we have to get that as Christians in our day. Right? We are these exiles that God has called to himself that we now find ourselves in exile where we live, in the cultures that we move in. It is where we find ourselves. Right? We find ourselves in this place of difference. Right? It's hard sometimes for us to think of ourselves as exiles because for years, decades, even centuries, in some form or fashion, Christianity and Christians in particular have held a special place in society. We have, if not been, had a special place, we have had some sort of place of acceptance, of privilege. Now, I'm not saying that these privileged places that Christians can't feel pressure or even some level of persecution, but in general, Christianity and Christians have experienced in culture and society where the, to think about living as exiles is, is hard to fully comprehend. Right? We have lived in, in places and times where to think of ourselves as exiles seems utterly silly, utter, utterly difficult for us to imagine that because we have had those senses of, of privilege or acceptance. And yet, whether we live in a post-Christian culture, whether we live in an anti-Christian culture, whether we live in a, quote, Christian culture, no matter where we live, we are still exiles according to God. We are still exiles in this world. And we must remember that. And yet, Scripture holds intention this idea of exiles. We are simultaneously exiles in the world, and as we will see throughout, we are also God's agents of change within it. But because we are exiles, we resist conformity to the patterns of this age. Right? Jesus says in his last address to his disciples, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. My prayer is that you, that to God is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one in John 17. Jesus' high priestly prayer. 
Jesus calls his disciples the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And so as we are exiles, living in a foreign kingdom, whether that nation is a, quote, Christian nation or a post-Christian nation or an anti-Christian nation, we are still exiles. But we are not exiles in hiding. We are in the world, but not of the world. We are salt and light. And those who understand themselves as God's elect have the strength, or as Paul puts it, the armor of God to put on, to resist the norms and culture of the society that we inhabit. Our election reminds us that we have status, not because we are worthy or noble, but because God in Christ has bestowed grace upon us. And when we understand this, we have the ability to live counter, counter-cultural, counter to the accepted cultural norms and to live according to God's ways and God's kingdom. Brothers and sisters, if we are in Christ, we are exiles. We are not exiled. We are exiles cleansed by the blood of Christ, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and upheld by the strong hand of God our Father. Now, that we might live and move and have our being in Him where He has placed us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this reminder that we are exiles. Lord, that we are sojourners, that we await a city not built with human hands, of a foundation that is laid by you, Lord God. That's what we await. That's what we long for. That's where we look. And as we await the return of the king, we live as exiles in a kingdom in the kingdoms of this world, waiting the one true kingdom in its fullness to come. Lord, help us to live in that tension. Help us to seek the shalom, the peace, the prosperity, the place that you have placed us in ways that don't seek our own good but the good of the place that we, are, we find ourselves in exile. And in that, Lord, as you promised your people in Babylon, we too will be blessed. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name.